Glad you're here tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in just a minute, Daniel's going to join me up here. But we, I want us to read this verse because we've been kind of digging into this one for a little bit. In chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, if you don't have it, it can be on the screen. And uh, you'll see it. It's this notion where Paul's writing to this young man, Timothy. He's a young leader in the early church, and he says some words to him. In fact, this, this whole letter is kind of geared at him. It's geared at the early church, and it's geared at those that he's kind of leading. And he says to Timothy, I have a challenge for you, he says. In fact, maybe it would be better put that he has this invitation. And he says to him this incredible thought. He says, look, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, meaning this stuff that is going on in, in, back in that time in their church, these myths of you had to do these things in order to become more spiritual, and there was another level that you could reach, and you had to attain to these different things, and all these false teachers were trying to say this kind of stuff that was just, okay, it's grace plus other stuff, and, and Paul is saying, no, it's, we live by the grace of Jesus, period. There isn't anything beyond that. You don't have to earn something else. But then he kind of invites them into this life. And he says, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. That it's this invitation to live this life where what we experience and how we deal with life and how we go through things is all part of this training process that we might become something more than maybe what we are currently. That that God has this path for us. And, and, and I know and I recognize maybe in a room this size that there may be some of you here that, okay, you know, you're kind of getting back into the whole church thing and the God thing's kind of cool and it's nice, but this idea of following another person, this Jesus guy, you're reluctant. And that's okay. I think that's awesome that you're asking questions and I encourage you to continue to do that. For some of you, you've come to that place and, and you're like trying to figure out what does that mean? How do you train yourself in godliness? And I want to look at that a little bit tonight. But first, I want you to hear a story, because I think in the midst of hearing Daniel's story, uh, you're going you're gonna to feel and sense and kind of get a glimpse of some of that that's transpired in his life, and some of that that may have some, some hooks, some handles for you in your life. And uh, so would you please give a warm elements welcome to Daniel Boyce. Daniel, why don't you join me up here? Glad you're here, man. Nice to be here. Better here than a coffee shop. Yeah. Although I like coffee, but um, got to sit down with Daniel just gosh a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. And uh, we've got some mutual friends. Gavin's one of those, and and uh, we got to hear his story a little bit. And so I thought maybe as we get started, you can kind of catch him up just on who Daniel Boyce is. We know you're a manager of the women's basketball team, which is a great opportunity, probably not where you thought you'd be, no. but where God kind of redirected. And that seems to be a big theme in your life, and you're going to hear part of that in his story. But the early years of Daniel, you're a Tucson guy. Yeah, well, I actually grew up in Los Angeles. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, I knew that. Grew up, uh, my dad is a, a teacher, he teaches right now at Desert Christian, but wherever he taught at in a Christian school, that's where I was. And so, uh, grew up, went to church, uh, went to Desert Christian High School and middle school, and really absorbed everything there, uh, led worship, you know, did the whole 10 yards, and uh, that kind of took me into uh, my love of basketball and really wanting to pursue that at the college level. And so you got the opportunity 
He uh, is a much better, we didn't meet on the basketball court, which is really, I'm really thankful for because I know you're way better than I am. Um, but you actually got good enough, you recruited yeah. uh, to play in college and you took a scholarship. And then, so you're kind of, your path is on this trajectory of what you're thinking. And it's been your dream all throughout high school. So kind of walk us through the beginning part of that journey for you. Okay. Yeah, so starting about my junior year of high school, um, I started to really want to play college basketball. And uh, not necessarily Division I. Uh, don't really have the body for that. But, but wanted to I pursue. Feel you. Yeah. I feel, okay, sure. It's a, it's a gift and a curse. Yeah, um, Good luck. But wanted to pursue that, and so uh, started looking at the Division II route. I had, a, I had some friends who had played Division II, and so uh, sent out tape and had schools contacting me back. And one of my biggest things is I wanted to go where God wanted me to uh, be at. And after going to different spots, uh, ended up at Dort College and really just felt like that was where God wanted me to be. He told me, I got some plans for you up here. And so I was super excited to get up there. So geography buffs that's Midwest, take a wild guess, what state? Iowa. Iowa. Well done. Sioux Center, Iowa, yeah. So the very top uh, northwest corner of the, the state, population 6,000. 6,000? Yes. Thriving metropolis. Six stoplights, yeah. Six. I was going to ask you how many stoplights. Yeah. That was my next one. So you, you arrive there, you're on a scholarship to play, and everything kind of starts great. So tell yeah. us about that. So, uh, yeah, I got up there and spent the whole summer, like, just straight, I'm getting ready to play. Um, our team was very good. Uh, we, we returned two All-Americans, and I was kind of going to step in and uh, be the point guard, kind of facilitate the offense. And uh, one of the first conditioning tests we had up there was you had to run uh, two miles in 12 minutes, and we had to have a certain percentage of the team hit it in under 12 minutes. Uh, certain percentage and uh, hit it right at the 12 minute mark and then the max you could go was 12.30. And uh, that was where things started to break down a little bit. Um, I started to feel some, some pain in my lower back and uh, not, you know, how it is like your first time somewhere. Like I didn't want the coach to think like, oh, Daniel Boyce, the weekly and like he can't run two miles. So I just thought I'd push it out and it, it just kept coming back and coming back. And so as we kept conditioning, um, it eventually got to the point where one day in practice, like I fell down and I couldn't get up because my back and my hamstrings were so tight and whacked out that I had to get carried to the training room and given e-stem treatment to try and electrically shock my muscles to, to calm down. What did that feel like in that moment? <laughs> um, besides painful. Besides painful. Uh, a letdown because I kind of had, had this vision of, of what it was going to be like getting on campus, setting this first impression of who I was and what uh, I could do for the team. And it just, it kept going downhill. I, I started doing treatment to try and fix that. Uh, part of it's just physically like I'm just not flexible. Uh, and so I started getting treatment and I'd be having two hours of practice, two hours of lifting. I'd be in the training room for two hours a day. And then I'd be coming back later and putting up another two hours of, of shots. And so all this, including my, my school day, and had people starting to concern, like, Daniel, we think you're borderline going to burn yourself out because you're grinding so hard. But in the past, you know how it is, like, you work harder, you get better. And for me, the harder I went, the, the worse I, w I was uh, doing. So and I know when we talked, you were talking about this dream so it's more than just the pain and the letdown. It's, it's this dream that you're holding on to. Yeah. 
and in the midst of that, you're watching that crumble. And I'm assuming that us sitting here, I know I can identify with that. Raise your hand if you can identify with that. With you've got this dream, this vision of what's going to happen, the way it should go, and then all of a sudden it's beginning to crumble around you, and you're you're young, and so why is this happening? And probably all those different questions that we talked about before, and just walk me through some of those emotional struggles you're going through, and then just what transpired coming out of that. Yeah, and so so for me, like I kind of had thought it was going to be this like contractual agreement I've made with God, like He chooses the school, I'm going to go play basketball for four years, it's going to be wonderful. And that didn't happen, and it led to a lot of, a lot of bitterness because in my life, uh, have I been tested to some degree? Yes, to the point where the one thing that I enjoyed the most was straight up yanked from me? Uh, no. And so it, it led to a lot of bitterness to the point where uh, I'm in a Christian school, but not really on a personal level have a friendship with God or Jesus and really don't want to hear about it because... I don't understand. You tell me to come here, and then it feels like he kind of didn't come through on, on his side of the bargain. So you're wrestling with that, and then walk through the, the rest of the season. You're kind of continuing on that path, and then your coach comes to you. Yeah, yeah, so it, um, it, it kept haunting me, and to me, like, that amount of pain, like, I haven't felt like that ever, and it led to a lot of hesitancy for me to want to push to that level again because I was afraid, like, I'm going to have to get escorted off the court again, they're going to have to carry me, it's going to be painful. And so really didn't, like, could never get back to what I, what I was at some degree. And then also uh, a Division One transfer comes in from South Dakota, and so all of a sudden the dream, like, is falling apart. I was supposed to be able to lead this team. Um, to, the last two years they've been ranked in the top five and have been doing wonderful. So... Uh, the dream's falling apart, and my coach basically kind of pulls me at the end of the at the end of the year and kind of says, "Look, Daniel, like we kind of see you maybe getting like four or five minutes a game, maybe. Um, or the other option would be like we recruited you because of the basketball mind that you are, that you just love the game, you know how to get better, you know how to teach. So we want you to consider more so becoming our student assistant, and so you'll be involved with recruiting workouts." everything, but we're not necessarily looking for you to be playing at Dort anymore. Easy sentence to say. Yeah. What was that, what was that like to hear? It was really hard um, because I loved playing this game, and all of a sudden to have it pulled to that level was hard, and it was something that, you know, even over the next year, I struggled with of wanting to, of not wanting to give up the playing side. Uh, and it's, it's been a, a struggle, and it's gotten to the point now where I take more joy in helping our players develop than looking and going, Daniel, your best shot is maybe rec center ball for the rest of your life. Why not try and help further people? And so one of the ways that we did that was our best player this past year, Davlin White, got to work with here the last two summers, and now she's number, she was a number 14 draft pick in the WNBA and is now in the WNBA plane. And so that's been one of the biggest uh, things that I've come to appreciate is being able to see these kids improve and know that I kind of contributed a little bit. Yeah. Talk me through, because um, that example of, of her plan is a major contribution from your part that uh, you're being very humble in that and that you worked with her a lot. 
Um, and I know that her shot improved and all those things. But how did you get here, a manager of the women's basketball team at U of A, from a player that's going, yeah, I got to sit the bench or I got to take on this coaching role, yeah. while your dream's falling apart, connect the dots there for me. Yeah, so uh, our coach kind of, uh, when he sat me down and I, I came back and accepted the, the student assistant position, my scholarship would be intact and kind of said, look, Daniel, like Dort College is known somewhat in the Midwest, but if you're wanting to pursue college sports, you're going to need to get your name out there. You're going to need to network. And so that led to me starting to talk to teams about coming out working basketball camps for them. Mm -hmm. So I had lined up working at Gonzaga, working at the U of A, uh, men, and just kind of thought out of the blue, why not try talking to the women? And they didn't need anyone for camp. They said, we're good. Like, we might need someone. We'll let you know. Never let me know. Um, so I go work at Desert Christian. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'll work at my old high school. Not a big deal. And get a phone call midway through the day. Hey, Daniel, like, Arizona women's basketball, we need you to come out, like, ASAP. We had, like, 20 extra kids just show up. So I go out there. And by the end of that week, had gotten an offer to, um, they pay for my school. They pay for my books. I can't legally be called a student assistant or anything like that. We can call you a manager, but you can work with our players. You can get shots up. Uh, you can do a lot of those things, and we'd love for you to be there. And so that's kind of how I got to Arizona. Very cool. And in the process of that, God's kind of taking you on a spiritual journey, kind of working with the, the pieces that were falling apart, and you were struggling, you and God kind of button heads and, and, and saying, God, I don't understand Talk me through just the last year or so of that journey. Uh, from a spiritual level, how has God been in the midst of that, repairing as he's been redirecting you? Yeah, well, part of it's been this transition of me not necessarily even feeling like I need to play anymore. And when I do try and, like, get the motivation to run, like the other day. Uh, yeah, I don't have that feeling. The, yeah, I, <laughs> seldom does it happen. Okay, but okay. when it does, <laughs> I run and, like, right away, like, back hits me. And I'm just like, all right, God, like, point proven. I'll just <laughs> give up on physical activity. But uh, for part of it, it's been athletes in action. And always, like, had been in this small school, Desert Christian, small school, Dork College, 1,500 kids. And so I didn't want to be that small fish, big pond. Arizona's huge. And just by chance, ran into Gebbin, and he directed me to athletes in action. And loved it, got involved with it, and have been involved with that for the last two years. Very cool. Now, I know Athletes in Action has gone through some challenge and some changes that they've gone through. So you get here on campus, and Athletes in Action, similar to, you know, Richard was here a couple weeks ago with FCA, and uh, so similar organizations in, in scope, yeah. maybe, of what they're trying to minister and kind of meet with uh, athletes. And uh, Athletes in Action has like six, I think, right, staff positions yeah. there. And then that kind of dissolves, and they look to Daniel and say, Daniel, run Athletes in Action yeah. at U of A. Go. Yeah, so uh, started going to Athletes in Action meetings. We had uh, meetings twice a month, and then we'd have Bible study, and got asked eventually if I would join the servant leadership team. So, like, love to join the servant leadership team, and at the end of the semester, uh, all of our staff sit us down at the end of the week, end of the year semester meeting and kind of just let us know, hey, we're all leaving. Um, some of them felt like God was calling them out of ministry. Uh, some of them were getting relocated through Athletes in Action up to headquarters in Ohio. 
And so I make a phone call to one of our former campus directors. He runs currently Ultimate Training Camp. It's our summer program that kind of tries to, to show these students or athletes where does God in sport interact? Because in the Bible, Jesus doesn't say a whole lot about like, if you're trying to become a good basketball player, for me, here's how to do it. And so uh, called him up and said, hey, he didn't know what was going on. And so next thing I know, I'm on a conference call with the regional director of Athletes in Action saying, Daniel, we appreciate you stepping up and taking over Athletes in Action in Arizona. And I'm sitting there going, I, I was just asking like, what's the plan moving forward? Ta-da! Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> I, I'm wrestling with that. I'm going like, uh, no thanks. Like that puts the target on me. It's my responsibility. I'm running an entire like student body. What if I mislead them? What if I send them the wrong way? And so it was kind of freaking out about that and really just felt God say like, nope, like I want you here. And so reluctantly I agreed and, and started uh, running our Bible studies, put our servant leadership team together again. And uh, through that, kind of made it through the entire semester, and that's when um, I started to get a vision about trying to unite the uh, FCA and AIA together. And so, talk a little bit about that. Then I want to come back to how God's been training you through there, but the partnership between Athletes in Action and FCA is just kind of brand new. Brand new, yeah. Mm. So, in the past, Richard Lopez, um, he's worked a lot with baseball and a little bit with football. And Athletes in Action has kind of been the, I don't want to say the powerhouse, but we've been the group that's there for athletes. And now that that disappeared, one of my, my visions was that I wanted the entire athletic department to come together. And that started with our every semester on dead day, last day of, fun, or the reading day, we have pancakes. And we just, we just make pancakes and waffles for anyone who shows up. You can be an athlete, you can be working in the marketing, you can be a coach, just come get free pancakes. What and, day is that? Uh, <laughs> I have to check the calendar, but... Um, get back to me, okay. Yeah, so met with Richard and kind of shared with him a little right. bit about my, my dream of, or vision of wanting to kind of unite this entire athletic department sometimes, doesn't have to be always, and it just so happened that, that as God was pulling our AIA staff out, he had been preparing Richard and he had met with uh, Rich Rod, and Rich Rod went, we want you to be our chaplain. And he then, uh, we want you to lead Bible studies, we want you to do character development. We even want you to come down to Fort Huachuca with us, which is something that has never happened before. And uh, he's getting to lead Bible studies, and it just seems to be like all the pieces are kind of coming together, and you have those moments where uh, multiple times I'm, I'm looking at God going like I don't understand like I understand the Dort thing making me a coach I don't understand the now like pulling away athletes in action what are you doing here God and for him to be able to to kind of unite FCA and athletes in action together now moving forward is something we're really excited about in terms of being able to reach more athletes reach more coaches and uh, I'm sure when Greg Byrne talks like he's met with Richard and we're really pushing to try and get as many athletes as we can involved I don't, I don't know if you guys can sense just the reality of what is happening on campus. Um, when, you, when you hear Richard two weeks ago talking about just unprecedented things, you're backing that up, and then Greg's coming here in a couple of weeks. The fact that Greg would be able to come to a church and, and share, like, can you all begin to see that, like, God is working behind the scenes in a bigger way than maybe what we realized? And I think that's what I want to unpack with, with you in particular is so... You have this dream. God's kind of, it's crumbling a little bit, but God's redirecting you. 
you get back here, you're plugged into Athletes in Action, and then that suddenly seems to crumble a little bit, and God's redirecting you again. That seems to be this pattern that I think Paul kind of talks to Timothy about, this idea of what does it mean to train in godliness? And it doesn't mean that it's always the same for every single person. You, you, you talk about um, just how you, the, the women basketball team, that everyone's got a different training regimen that they go through, and that you specify those to, to each individual athlete. Have you sensed that in your life with this theme of redirection? How has God been unpacking that for you? Yeah, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that he's been teaching me is, is stay the course, uh, Keep, keep going, and that when that got, when I, when basketball got taken away from me, um, I've, I wanted to turn away, and I was like, no thanks, like, whatever you're offering, no thanks anymore, and now once these, these new trials have come, now that I can see, like, broad scope, that, that God was a part of that, and he wanted, he needed to take me to that point at Dort to pull sport away, to then be able to provide me with this new opportunity, and so, like the biggest thing is just is stay the course and and keep going and trust that what I say is gonna is gonna happen that I have plans that they're going to be good plans and it doesn't always mean that uh, it's not always gonna hurt it, sometimes it will hurt sometimes it won't sometimes you're gonna feel good sometimes you're not and that kind of took me back to being a point guard in high school and in college for a little bit which was, as a point guard, you don't want to be too high, you don't want to be too low, you want to stay the course because you're guiding the team. And when teams uh, attack on defense, it's the point guard who kind of settles the team down and, you know, just, just keep with the game plan, keep going, keep going. And the other thing is just that God doesn't change, that I'm having all these changes in my life and it's really nice to at least have one thing that I know, like, isn't going to change. Like, he's, he is who he is, he is what he says he is, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Hmm. I think unpack that a little bit more through your story of just the, the security and the sense of stability that God was to you walking through some of those changes, and you've got some new good changes coming with your fiancé and moving toward that. And so what are, how have you sensed God's stability and security through that? Um, well, I think just one of those things is that when you get into one of those those places where you kind of feel like you're in a hole, uh, you just kind of trust that God's going to get you out. And, and that was my thing is that, like, I know, I don't really know what you're doing here, God, with Athletes in Action. I, I would do it differently, but I trust that you're going you're gonna to take care of this because you've said, like, you're going to take care of this, and, and I couldn't see it then, and it's always one of those good things in the, in the grand scheme of things to be able to pull back sometimes and look and go, like, these were the times that God was faithful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, like, talking about, like, a Joshua rock, when, when he's told to take that rock and remember what I've done, and so for me, whenever I start to have those doubts again of, like, God, like, what are you doing here? Like, it's one of those times that I just kind of look back at my life and go, wow, you've been really, like, faithful to me. You've been really gracious to me when I didn't really deserve any of that. Mm-hmm. And going, well, if that's any indication of what the past is, then I know what I have going forward, is that God's going to take care of me in some direction. I don't know what that means, but he's going to take care of me. Yeah, very cool. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want to share just with our folks, uh, just 
a maybe a training regimen that's been a part of this spiritually for you that you say this is what's really just this practice has been helpful for me walking through some of these changes and you've got some new opportunities that are maybe on the horizon here of being recruited away to different places potentially and and figuring that out was there a particular uh, verse or habit or training that you would say this has been really helpful for me and it might be really helpful for you the uh the cool thing about Athletes in Action or Fellowship of Christian Athletes is, is that you can relate to some of these kids how what they're doing in sport is just like the Christian walk, is just like walking with God, whether that be uh, getting workouts in. You want to become a better basketball player. Well, then you've got to get these workouts in. You've got to get an hour in of shooting. Or if you want to be a better track runner, you're working on your splits. And, you're work- and so looking at it and go, are there going to be times in your, your training that you're not necessarily looking forward to it? That it's not always like this super feeling like, I am so pumped to open up my Bible and get to spend time today. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, and that's just life drags us down, whatever it might be. And so to be able to look at it from that perspective of going, like, you want to get stronger, you want to, you want to grow closer to God, then you got to put in the work. And, and whether that be finding a way to spend time with him is, is, really, is really the key. And so for me, it's been this transition of, of not basing my entire walk off of just feeling that like, mm-hmm. well, like, I don't feel like God's close to me right now, right. so he must be distant. And, and the shift to knowing. And, and the more that you're, you're either in your word or you're talking about him or you're uh, even just praying or, or talking to the spirit, um, the more you do that, the, the stronger you get, and so you can be able to put up more of a fight, or you might be able to, to witness to someone who, who's kind of in a rut, and you can say, hey, like, come, come train with me. Not necessarily always physical, but let's, let's spiritually train too. Very cool, very cool. Well, I'm really glad that you could join us to share your story, but I wanna, we wanted to, we've been taking moments to pray with those who've been coming, and I'm uh, curious how we could pray for just Athletes in Action FCA, just the partnership that's developing there, and then for you in particular. So what are one or two things that we can pray for you about? Yeah, number one is just um, praying for this time of, of coming together and merging because uh, FCA and Athletes in Action, although they're similar, like there are some differences, and so that, that we would be able to kind of merge together uh, smoothly. And also just, I guess, in, in my life, it would just be for God to continue to, to give me discernment for the future. Uh, there's some opportunities coming up, and for me, it's always a control thing. Like, I like to do everything I can to make sure I can get what I need. And one of our coaches called me on it the other day. She's like, Daniel, like, you can't outwork God. Like, if he's going to want to put you somewhere, he's going to put you there, regardless if you're putting in the work or not. And so just that I would be able to have some discernment uh, about the future and kind of where, where I go from here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, would you join me and we'll pray for Daniel and, and for the, just for U of A and what's going on there, and then I've got a few words to share. So, Father, we are so thankful for Daniel and just the, the story you've been writing in his life. God, one of great redirection that is tailor-made by you. And in the midst of that, we all kind of identify with those moments where you're redirecting us and and we don't quite understand why. We don't, we got a lot of questions and maybe a lot of struggles and a lot of doubts in those moments. But Father, you are faithful. And I thank you for being faithful to Daniel. And I thank you for 
what you're doing on the U of A campus uh, with the partnership between Athletes in Action and the FCA and, and multiple, multiple other individuals as well as uh, entities there that represent you and have a heart for you. Father, I pray that you continue to give cohesion to that and that it would be unified through your Holy Spirit. And Father, would be led by Jesus and just his heart for people and his heart for athletes. Father, I pray that you'd give them influence and that you'd give them inroads to working together to be a great um, to be a great force for you and for the kingdom and for the name of Jesus. And Father, for Daniel, I pray that you would continue to give him wisdom and discernment. Your favor go before him and beside him. Would you give him influence as a coach, as he's uh, working with his team and with his coaches there? And Father, would you direct his paths as you have in the past? May you continue to do that in the future. We ask your blessing over him all the days of his life, just because he loves you and he's one of your favorite kids. So take care of him. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. So. I think what hit me talking with uh, Daniel now and, and when we spoke a couple weeks ago was just this notion of that redirection. And uh, how many of you have felt that in your life where you've sensed, okay, something, this is what I wanted, and then you feel like God's maybe kind of redirecting you? And when you're going through those moments, um, how many of you have ever had questions and doubts, struggles? Yeah, that's, that's all. That's the human condition as we go through that. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here in 1 Timothy. Remember we read this idea of train yourself in godliness. And I think sometimes we, we miss that in the, in the beauty and in the embrace of grace that we give and that we're given in, in Christ, there's also this invitation. And it's not an invitation to try to search and do things in order to get God's favor or to get his attention, or to gain his love, or to hold on to it, you already have that. But we're given this invitation into a life that we would become something more than what we are right now. That this idea that the sanctification is a big $10 word that the Christian world has used, and it's talked about in scriptures, but it's this idea that I'm on this journey where I'm becoming more and more like Christ. That's the, the gist of that word. And what Paul is saying to young Timothy is, hey, I want you to train yourself. And training yourself involves something. In fact, it, it involves this, I'm, I'm going to coin a word here, this idea of followership. Remember, it was Jesus who went and found the 12 disciples, right? They didn't find him. He found them. And what did he say? This great pep talk of Jesus. Come follow me. Wow, inspiring, right? But it was to them because there was something about Jesus and who he was and how he lived and how he interacted and how he reacted in situations that was just so intriguing and radically different than any teacher they had seen before any authority or anything that they had listened to or heard of or studied before. There was something about this guy, Jesus. And he has this simple phrase, come follow me, meaning apprentice me is really what it's saying. 
How many of you have ever had an internship before? And you had an internship, most of them are not paid, which really stinks, but sometimes they're paid and that's even more awesome. But as an intern, what are you doing? You're learning, right? You're learning under the person that's over you and you're studying them. In the, in the Hebrew culture, they talked about this notion that may the dust of your rabbi be upon you, meaning that you're following so close in the footsteps of your rabbi that you're training under, that you're apprenticing under, that his dust as he walked would kick up and he would be covered in it. So when Jesus says to his followers then and, listen, to his followers now, what he's saying is come follow me. Enter into this followership. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you've never read anything about him, just no time to sum up his story, but just a great pastor who went through an incredible trial in World War II, and he writes these words. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Meaning this Christian journey that we're invited into, and again, for some of you, you may not be there yet. That's totally awesome. I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that you keep searching and asking those questions about this Jesus because there's something incredibly intriguing about him, not as a philosophy, but as a person. And Jesus says these words, come follow me. This notion that discipleship is another $10 word that we hear about in the church is really this idea of followership. I'm going to follow close, that I might begin to act like Jesus, that I might begin to react the way he would, that I might be able to live in, in scenarios the way he would. Not that just I wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? But then I actually begin to live that out of the core of who I am. And that in those scenarios and in those moments that you and I face, that I'm training to be more and more like that. I'm not just trying harder. And here's the, here's the major difference I want you to see. This isn't about trying hard. This is about training well. I could be an NFL athlete, couldn't I? Don't all shout at once, I know. Um, I know at first you're like, obviously, uh, yes. And I could go get the jersey, and I could put on the pads, and I could wear the helmet. I could even do autographs. I could wear the shoes. I could get the socks. I could get the armbands. I could wear the mouth guard, and I could run out on the field. And in that moment, the truth would be revealed, right? That I am nowhere near an NFL athlete. In fact, that would be idiotic for me to do that. And the life Jesus calls us to isn't, hey, just wear the right stuff and go the right places and then just run out and be me. No. What Jesus is saying, and very simply what he said back then, what he says now is, you come what? Follow me. You enter into this apprenticeship, this training is what Paul says. And you train yourself for godliness. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, look, there's all this other uh, rhetoric that's going on, what people are saying that, that should be and what spirituality is about. Listen, you keep looking at Jesus and you train yourself to follow him, period. That you work with him. This freedom that we have through Christ does not give us a license to do anything we want. 
Rather, it frees us from the futile attempts to earn God's favor. You already have it. That's called grace. And it's also this invitation that's a challenge to say, live a life of obedience based out of the love that you've already received. Not trying to earn it, but living out of the flow of it. And you begin to train yourself to say, look, I, I want to be more and more like Jesus. We, we use a phrase sometimes in the Christian church in, in where we say the spiritual disciplines. Anyone ever heard of those words? Spiritual disciplines. And I don't know about you, but I hear the word discipline and I instantly go, I don't like that. Right? Anyone else with me? Because like discipline was mom and dad. I didn't like it then. But spiritual disciplines are this notion. I want you to think of it this way. Spiritual habits. What are some of the spiritual habits we see in Jesus? Well, you look all throughout the scripture and here's one you'll find. This idea of solitude. Jesus often withdrew to be alone and to pray with the Heavenly Father. Think about your life. Think about your world. Think about the pace of your life. When's the last time you actually got to be quiet and still for more than 20 minutes? Think about it. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to get away and be alone... Do you think it might help us to do that from time to time? And so the ancient writers would write about these spiritual disciplines, these spiritual habits like solitude or silence or fasting or sacrifice or giving, this idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice something that I want in order to give and bless someone else. And in the process, I'm actually, I'm not just losing something, I'm actually giving something and maybe Jesus was the greatest giver of all, wasn't he? And if I could become a more giving person, maybe I would begin to reflect more and more of fasting, of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break from TV or from phone, or I do this occasionally with social media where I say, okay, I'm going to fast from social media. Why? Well, it's not that I can't do it. God didn't say, hey, every you know, three months you need to fast for uh, a week. That's not in the Bible. You're not going to find that. But sometimes this idea of letting go of something actually does something within my own soul, within my own spirit. And so one of the greatest books I could tell you as a resource would be, um, I think, and Brandon's here. In fact, we went through this when you were in high school, The Life You've Always Wanted uh, by John Ortberg. It's spiritual disciplines for dummies. That's why I like it, because I get it. And it makes sense. And he talks about this, the discipline of celebration. That when you go out to celebrate with friends, that you actually enjoy and embrace and engage in that moment. Why? Because God celebrates. And what would it be like if I learned to celebrate and I could actually be me in that moment and not have to safeguard because of image or other things, right? And so this life that you've always wanted I think is what Jesus is calling us to. In fact, John writes these words in that book. He talks about these habits that we're to have. He says, life counts. All of it. Every moment is a potential opportunity to be guided by God into his way of living. That every moment, every moment on your next Monday, which is tomorrow, just a reminder, 
Every moment on your next Wednesday, which is coming up in a few days, every moment on a Saturday morning or on a Friday night at 11 p.m., every moment that you're alive is an opportunity that potentially God can use to begin to shape you to become something more than what you are, if you're aware of that. And you, maybe it's just waking up with a prayer this week. Here's my challenge to you. God, I want to train to be more like you. And I want to enter into that, not because I want to try to get your favor or get your attention or get your approval. I live in the fact that I already have that because of Jesus, period. But now you're inviting me to live in this mode of training, not trying harder, but training well, that I might become something more than I am right now. And so what would that look like for you? You know, we as a church, we celebrate communion. And in a moment, we're going to do that. We're going to worship and close out our evening with a couple uh, very special things. But as you maybe take communion, you're welcome to participate in that. If, if you don't want to, that's fine. I would encourage you, maybe just sit and take some space, some time to say, God, what does it mean for me this week to train? What would it look like to see all of life as training ground? an opportunity for me to learn that. And in those conversations and in those hard conversations that I have to have sometimes, that maybe you're actually trying to shape me to be the person that I need to be. And maybe there's some edges that you need to rub off that I might be a better reflection of you. Maybe there's moments where I need to give. And in the practice of doing that, I'm actually becoming more of a giver like you are. Maybe there's moments where you just need solitude. In silence, just to say, God, I'm going to still myself. Psalm 131 says, be still and know that I am God. He didn't say be in a hurry. Be still and know. And sometimes we need that. And so that's my invitation to you this week. God is a God who redirects often, doesn't he? That's not just Daniel's story. That's your story. That's my story. And in the midst of that, that's all part of that invitation. Train yourself in godliness. Open your life up to see, God, how do you want me to understand? Maybe the simple prayer this week is, God, today's your day. Would you train me to see you and become more like you? Would you just train me to, to become more like you and to see you in my life? And so as we celebrate communion, as we end our time in worship, I just want to give you some space to maybe contemplate and think about it. You and God have a conversation. What is that next step for you this week? What is that one discipline or habit that maybe he's inviting you into? Again, not to earn his attention or keep his favor, but just to live out of obedience to the love that you've been given. And so as our band comes up, I'll pray for us. Father, we, um, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for the opportunity to live life in this invitation to train to be more and more like you. God, the spiritual development doesn't just happen on its own. It's not by osmosis. God, your grace can do anything and everything, and we believe that. But Jesus, you made it really clear that we're to be invited into this life of followership. So, Father, for each one of us, we remember your life your death, your resurrection, Jesus. Your example. And would you show us what a next step of following in your footsteps 
that the, that the dust that you're traveling in front of us would get upon us. Would you show us what that might be this week as we remember you and as we worship you here in these moments? Speak to us.